2: Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for October 19th, 2020. Episode 2542 brought to you today by Kevin Equine. Good morning, horse people. It's Monday.
1: Monday is my favorite time of year.
2: This is Horses in the Morning with your lovable hosts, Jamie Jennings. I am the queen. You listen to me! I'm sorry that people are so jealous of me, but I
3: can't help it that I'm popular. Glenn the Geek!
4: You look especially radiant
1: today, Your Grace. I'm gonna do a terrific show today because I'm good enough, and doggone it, people like me. Happy Monday!
2: Thank you for joining us. I don't know what it's like in Sarasota, Florida, but it just got cold yesterday, Wendy. And thank you so much for filling in for Glenn today. Um, He had his surgery and everything went well and they got it all and he's going to be back next Monday. So that's the good news.
1: Oh, that's great. And it's cold here in Sarasota, Florida. My pool is so cold. I can only jump in and jump right back out again. (laughs) And
2: that (laughs) leads us into a question. First world problem. <laughs> that'll be up later today oh my gosh so how's life girl
1: oh it's going great this is actually the a great time to be in florida because the summer heat kind of broke so it's not so humid and it's our like best time for riding down here uh, now in
2: sarasota did the leaves actually change color is it all palm trees
1: no, we don't have leaves that change color.
2: No, not at all. Okay, no. gotcha. Um
1: <laughs> what about well, in Oklahoma? You must um, have
2: Yeah, we have we have four seasons here for sure. Um, not like Arizona, which was, you know, this was the perfect time of year it was mid mid-October all the way right. to like mid. mid April was amazing Mm -hmm. there. So here it's now starting to get a little bit chilly, but you know, just the rest of the world. What are you going to do? Except for those of you living in Arizona or Florida, you all live in bubbles, Yeah, but (laughs) but,
1: but you can start buying new horse blankets. That's true. There is the shopping aspect
2: of winter that is to be appreciated. <laughs> uh, one of my boarders, I walked outside this morning and her horse, he who's like 17 to, this giant white horse is wearing a blanket that's covered in half eaten donuts.
1: Oh my God.
2: <laughs> like of all different colors. I'm like, oh so it, yeah, it was pretty cute. I'm not going to lie. Um, well let's get to our first daily Winnie.
1: Well, my Daily Winnie is to all the auditors. You guys have been so great and supportive of Glenn and Jennifer during this surgery and all the the rough times they've been through. So I just want to thank you guys. You've been great. Well, this is where Glenn would insert
2: Chili's Winnie because it's my birthday and I love to hear Chili, but I don't think we have that sound. So we'll have to wait till Glenn gets back. But I would like to give my daily Winnie. I did a clinic oh, for the last 10 days and we're going to talk to Mary and Mary, two of the participants that were in the clinic. But um, I my daily Winnie goes out to the horses. Oh my gosh. I had, let's see if I can name them all. We had Duke, Luna, Arlo. Jim, Nick, uh, Zeus was uh, in the clinic. Drax was in the clinic. Uh, just the horses were so fantastic and they were as, as honest as horses can be. And I I just wanted to give them a daily winny for being so
1: awesome. Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) And
2: happy birthday. That's so exciting for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Monday, Monday morning birthdays in your mid forties are fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
1: <that's fine. laughs> but you can have wine on Monday night and not feel guilty because it's your birthday. You can do whatever you want.
2: Yeah. I don't feel guilty. Usually drinking on a Monday night. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> it fits right in. Wendy, I got to ask you, it's kind of that time before the snowbirds descend upon Florida and how's it, how's the veterinary
1: business going? How, how's life? Well, it's going great. And you know, I, I, when I moved down to Sarasota, I started to do dogs and cats for acupuncture, but I had never been a small animal vet before. So this was kind of a learning curve for me and not just for treating the animals, but like, you know, I'm a horse person, mm-hmm. right? Like the cats can see me coming a mile away. <laughs> I'm not a cat person. They know. And um, it was the same with the clients. They have like so many different needs. I had to like kind of change my thinking uh, from horse vet to dog vet, like dog clients, like uh, 90% of the dogs I see, the, they just sit on the couch. Like they have no competition goals. They don't have to do anything. You know, it's, it's so different from equine medicine because equine medicine, we got to get those horses going. They have to be doing their job and blah, blah, blah. You know, but these dogs, they don't have to do anything. They just so, lay around. You do acupuncture
2: on cats. Like, I find it hard to pet a cat without getting bit. So, because I'm I'm also,
1: and not as, like, I love they super see, friendly cats. Yeah, but they but see you coming. They know you're not a cat person.
2: How do you stick a needle in a cat the, 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 and, and get it not to, like,
1: murder you? Well, I mean, some some you can't acupuncture. Some are laser really? cases. But uh, I have this one cat that I'm working on right now, and it's going so... Well, because it has this disease called megacolon, which is like cats can get constipated and it damages the nerves of their colon. And acupuncture, especially electroacupuncture, can be so helpful for that. But you think, how the hell am I going to electroacupuncture a cat, right? A cat with
2: megacolon. Just constipated
1: is crabby.
2: And oh my god. Also,
1: you can't just like rattle them like at the a barn cat. These are like if people are calling me to acupuncture their cat, these are like like cats that eat fancy feast out of a crystal, <laughs> <The> crystal. bowl. <laughs> right?
2: I was going to ask what type of person, I mean, no judgment cuz I wish I could do all the things for all the animals, but what if a person calls you and says, "My cat needs acupuncture."
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. It's usually like their house is super clean. And they are usually cat only people, right? The no dogs and the cats, like, I mean, you have to handle them like they're like baby dolls, but really they want to kill you the whole time. So you have to pretend like you're holding them like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, this cat that I'm working on the the megacolon is actually pretty good. It's more like a dog. So we feed it a lot of these treats. Like she has all these different cat treats. And so we feed it cat treats and then we get it to like us. And then I kind of like squish it in between my legs. And you know, Kyle uh, is my assistant for these, right? And Kyle is, is he like, really? Yeah, he, he's like holding cats. He like reaches out his long arm and like holds them, but he likes to put his body as far away from them as possible. <laughs> I don't blame him. Yeah, and he runs the electro acupuncture box. But and he adjusts these cats. He does Cairo on these cats, and the cats love the Cairo. Huh. I, I can't
2: imagine I explaining to my husband that yes, that bill that came in the mail is for acupuncture and chiropractic on my cat. I like, I, I mean, know. I've had some chickens I might consider doing that for, so yeah. like, can you acupuncture or do you ever do anything with your birds?
1: Yeah, you can definitely acupuncture birds. I, um, I used real tiny needles because you know they don't have a lot of you know i uh I you have to move their feathers and their skin is so is so thin but yeah. i do laser on them a lot um if i need to like you know what well, i tell. do i do it for okay i do it for like wounds okay. you know how they fight each other yeah or like i have this one little chick that um its toe got stuck, like, you know, in the incubator, I have this dome incubator, and I, its little toe got squished in there, and I felt super guilty, and then the other <laughs> chicks pecked on it, and then I felt more guilty, and I did laser on that toe, and that little chicken is so friendly now, because I did a lot of stuff with it. Oh, my
2: gosh. Well, I guess if I had the power, I would also use my power for good.
1: So <laughs> it should be like acupuncturing a chicken. <laughs> That's I know. Awesome. But you know what? I have a friend that teaches with me at Chi Institute. And she was she's a chicken person like us, like backyard chicken person. But she she's not a chicken vet. But she started, you know, acupuncturing her own chickens. And she was giving a demo at Chi about acupuncturing chickens and she had a chicken that was egg bound and it laid an egg right there while she was doing the demo.
2: No way.
1: Yeah. She has a video of it. She was so excited. Oh
2: my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. My chicken won't lay any eggs. Here, stick a needle here. It well, Yeah. don't make it happen. <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. Well, mm-hmm. speaking of, um, you know, the sad tales of chickens that need acupuncture. We have a segment that we do called equestrian first world problems. Wendy, are you familiar with this segment?
1: Yes. It's one of my favorites.
2: Okay. Well, we're going to do it for those who aren't this. These are, uh, real problems that are written in by our auditors and our auditors have, they, they need to share. It's like cathartic for everybody to share their problems. First world First world First world All right, so if you want to be an auditor, go to horseradionetwork.com. There, scroll down, click on the auditor banner. I'm trying to remember what Glenn always says because I usually just tune him out. <laughs> what? You're not listening? I know, that's so Man. weird. So weird. Well, hey, we're going to get started here and let's go to um, Danny. Poor Danny. She says, I am so excited that my baby Dutch warm blood is coming, but do you know how hard it is to buy things for a baby? I mean, first off, they're going to like grow out of everything. And second, I don't even know her size. And what if she
1: doesn't like the color that I choose?
2: (laughs) I had uh, Danny, I had baby Zara first. And so I bought, cause she was a little filly. I bought pink everything. And then oh. I had the little colt, And so now he has a pink halter. That is just the way that it is. Oh my God. You can't do that. I'm gender fluid here. Uh, Wendy is so, you know, we don't oh. let color identify our sex. <laughs> um, he's definitely going to be a
1: gelding then Author. He already is. So it's all good. Oh.
2: He's not <laughs> um, a baby baby. No, he's a, he's a year and a half now. So he's, he's had the brain surgery already. Yeah. Um, Kimberly says, and this is tragic, Wendy, tragic. My glue gun broke in the middle of making my horse's Halloween costume. Oh, my God. I cannot wait to see what she's cooking up. Uh, he, really terrible. Oh god, it's going to be good. And she's a she's a high level dressage rider, so you know it's going to be entertaining
1: at best. Does she have you think she has a frisian? Does she have a frisian? I think it's a big warm blood, so Oh, yeah. cuz the frisian people like they do costumes. Oh yeah, it just like have the to be Halloween. People. It's yeah, just Yeah, they costumes. have they have classes for c- the best costume and they go all out. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like,
2: um, you know, that that TV show where it's the little girls that get on stage and do the pageants. It's mm-hmm. like that, but for Frisians. Yeah, that's, <laughs> totally, that's totally it. <laughs> uh, uh, Haley said, I just got a beautiful mare and I bought her a ton of blankets and coolers. And I went to put on her new blanket today only to find out everything I bought is too small. I bought everything in the wrong size.
1: Oh, my God. That sucks. That's painful.
2: That sucks. Uh, Jane says, I comp- <laughs> I competed in a horse show, and I won first place in all of my classes. Yay for all my blue ribbons. But I was the only person in all those classes, so does
1: it really count? Oh, yeah. That's the best way to do it. <laughs> Jane- why I drive tandem
2: right? Yeah. Are you the only one in your classes? Oh,
1: yeah. Usually because tandem is so like people don't really drive tandem that much. So I used to love to compete tandem because I would always win.
2: Well, Jane and Wendy, you know who you beat? Me, because I didn't <laughs> do it uh,
1: exactly. So You're both. Post- I felt
2: like a winner just hooking up the tandem and getting around. Exactly. Congratulations, and and you know what? On social media posts, when you post a picture of your horse with all its blue ribbons on its bridle and its reins, nobody needs to know that you right. were the only one in the class. Okay, fine. I think I got a sixth one time, and I was like, oh my god, I got a sixth place, and like actually. There was only six in the class. So, like, I came in not only just like the only one in the class, I came in dead last. And <laughs> that's all right. I call it the DFL award. It's a yeah. special award. DFL, dead, right. freaking last. Right. And you know what? Congrats to me because I got out there and I did it. Uh, <laughs> Emily says, I finally got my new arena finished and I got bucked off this afternoon. <laughs> <sighs> well, at least it wasn't on the hard ground. You got bucked off into like really
1: soft, hopefully sand or footing. (laughs) But that is a, that is a true problem. I think. Yeah. I think that classified like that's heartbreaking. You do all that work, get your arena set up. You tested it out though. You broke it in. Yeah, that's that's true. (laughs)
2: Lisa said, my horses had such a wonderful summer growing and building muscle. And now they all need new saddles. well duh duh obviously it's your fault (laughs) amy (laughs) says i fell off my horse yesterday and now i have to buy a new helmet but all the really pretty ones with sparkles and bling were all out of stock in my size (laughs) oh my god basic black dang it uh, Rebecca said, I had the week off last week and I got the stupid flu and I couldn't pay with, play with the ponies because everybody thought I had the Rona. And then I had to go take that stupid test. Have you had to take the coronavirus test yet? Oh my God. No. Oh, it sounds just awful. It
1: it's does like, sound awful.
2: I haven't had it yet either, but I feel like scraping my brain with a Q-tip sounds terrible. Well, about. I
1: think, uh, I mean like the kind of, uh, professions we're in we're not exposed to that amount of people. Right. I mean, like you're outside all the time and I'm outside most of the time.
2: Except for when you're in the fancy piece cat's house. And Yeah. But those
1: people don't go out. Right. So That's true. I mean-
2: <laughs> <laughs> they just
1: stay home with their kitty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're cat they don't go outside. Um, and they definitely don't want to talk to other people. I mean, no, no, definitely not. cat people.
2: Well, Helly said she had to wait eight weeks for my brand new trailer because I wanted the top to match my car. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's well, custom. It's worth it. That's worth
2: it. <gasps> Totally worth it. Uh, Kaylee says two of my amazing clients offered me their beautiful heated barns to work in over the winter. But now I have no excuse to be lazy all winter. You know what <laughs> happens when you work in a heated barn is then you don't want to go outside and ride because you step outside and you're like, oh, my God. So be like me and just suffer through. Open all the windows, open all the doors and just take it. You just got to take it.
1: Just no, kidding, if your guys t- have a heated barn, they should have a heated indoor arena. You know I mean, what? On. You're exactly right, Wendy. Yes. And I I think
2: she should write a strongly worded letter to the clients that offer a heated barn. And
1: she can just say, I can't work like this. I I can't work like this. can't work like this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Karen, the host of our endurance episode, my husband just bought a several thousand dollar camera in parentheses. He's an astronomer. How cool is that? (laughs) Yeah, that's Um, cool. She says, but I can't complain because I cashed in my 401k to buy a COVID pony. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, Yeah. Courtney said, I'm supposed to go fox hunting this weekend and then we have a hunter pace the next day. So I need to clip my horse, but his new blanket hasn't arrived yet.
1: Oh my God. Well, you can't clip if you don't have the blanket.
2: Mm -mm. You're
1: just going to have to cool out that horse, get the
2: hairdryer out. Come on, baby. Let's go down two days
1: in a row with a shaggy horse. That's going to be hard.
2: Yeah, it's going to be so hard. Life is so hard. Um, (laughs) Lindsay says we are getting our super cute and adorable new COVID puppy. But we have to wait till Friday to pick it up. Oh, damn it. Oh, my God. She posted a picture and it is like the cutest little like brown lab I have ever seen. Oh,
1: my God. Um, I want a COVID puppy.
2: I, I want just a puppy. But I guess That's it would be too. a COVID puppy. I just love puppies.
1: I want a um, puppy, but my Jack Russell is like not going to stand for any of that yeah. puppiness. Jack
2: Russell's don't stand for anything.
1: No. She's bad. <laughs> <crass.
2: laughs> um, April says, Oh my God, I have four stalls. And five horses. And one of my horses taught another one to open the stalls and the doors. And that's the one he's opening the one that's not in a stall. So then he's letting the others out and I'm going to have to change my stalling and feeding routine. Hashtag it Zeus. I live this every single day. And after having this horse for five years, he escaped yesterday, like in front of everybody. Oh my
1: gosh.
2: Like, how do you get how do you know? He just knows like I didn't do the bottom latch because it was like running over to like let another horse started to come out of the stall. And I was like, oh wait, hang on. And then I turn around, Zeus is out. Like done.
1: Just oh go, my God. God. Um, I can't believe it's been five years since you've had him.
2: I know. Before it doesn't now. seem like it. I think it'll be five years in February that I've had him. That's oh. crazy. Yeah. That's a lot of time that I've spent trying to keep him in into a stall or a pen. Uh, <laughs> I actually was up at the house and I could see him. We have one gate that he has not figured out. You actually have to like pull the thing up and slide it forward. And it's the only gate that he has not figured out. And I swear mm-hmm. to God, Wendy, I was standing out on my pa- porch, like having coffee and I hear clank, 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 <laughs> clank, clank. And that son of a, he is trying to figure out the one that he can't get through. And I was like, yes! <laughs> no! Stop it! <laughs> he like, looks at me like, I, what well, I, I didn't do it. <laughs> um, Adrian said, I had back-to-back horsey photo shoots this weekend and I can't stay focused on editing one because I want to do both, but like, I have to go to work today. <sighs> Jobs just get in the way. Damn work. Damn work. Mary and Mary... Both were the two that we're going to hear from later on, and um, they are going to come on the show and talk about being in the clinic, but Mary Schmidt drove to my house in Oklahoma from Wyoming, and the other one, the other Mary, came from <coughs> South Texas, Shh. and so really far. Who's the puppy?
1: Is that your Jack Russell? Yes. Naughty. She's Jack. pissed because somebody's in the yard. It's like, you know, the geese are looking at her funny or something.
2: Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need to go and like get no. somebody out of your. No, <laughs> no, it's my own piece, my pet, my yard pets. Okay. Your yard birds that get <laughs> acupuncture. Yeah. Uh, Mary said, I need a round pen when I get home, but I have to drive home first. And that is like so much driving that I could be doing round pen shopping. <laughs> Don't shop and drive. Whatever you do. <laughs> Mary says, I feel your pain. Yeah. Because we spent so much time in the round pen and they both now need, you need them. They're so great to train horses. Um, Alex said, we went to our first show away for a starter horse trial and we had an awesome time and finished on a dressage score, but the horse show hangover is real. And I'm like, totally dead.
1: (laughs) I know if you're showing a lot, you should take Mondays off. That's my recommendation. (sighs) That is a great, you know what? Write your Senator. Yeah. Implement that. Make that a thing. Or just take it a personal day. Like especially horse trials, they like wear you out because you have to walk the course so many times and then you're on that adrenaline rush and then you crash. And Monday you should take a personal
2: day. So when you do the 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 driving stuff, do you walk the course like a hundred
1: times too? Oh my god. I you walk it like a million times. And then you agonize it and then uh, agonize about it. You don't sleep all night the night before because you go through in your mind like exactly how you're going to do it. It's just like eventing, you know, Uh but with a carriage.
2: Yeah. I started going up to every jump and the first course walk, I would just take a picture of it. So I could go, okay, that was one. That was two. And then I have to go. Oh, that's hill, a good right? idea. This is three. Yeah. There's actually fancy course walking apps, but I'm not smart enough for those things. Um, Ellen said, I spent a really fun and successful
1: day at a local fun show,
2: but I forgot my lunch. So I was like hungry all afternoon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no horse show, show cheeseburgers at those fun shows.
2: Those local fun shows. Just they, they don't have the food trucks.
1: It sucks. No.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> Lindsay says we are getting a new to us car practically for free, but my husband has decided that it's like his car. Since I have a history of putting dirty blankets and hay in my trunk, <laughs> um, Yeah, <laughs> you don't get a new to new car and put hay in it. That's divorce. All right. Last one. Katie says I, uh, my horse moved into a bigger and nicer pen this weekend but the gate is farther away from the tack room, and I have to like walk so much farther to go get my horse. <laughs> oh.
1: Oh, that so, can be a pain.
2: I'm so sad for all of you.
1: Um,
2: <laughs> just remember that if you do have a horse problem and equestrian problem, it is a first world problem. That is the way we live. And again, if you want to help, um, you know, release some of the stress and the tension, please feel free to join the auditors group and go on on Sunday nights. I usually put up a post and and ask for your problems and and people are more than willing to share. And again, (laughs) I hope you all feel a little bit better. Well, we would like to thank Kevin for being our title sponsor today. And here's a new bucket challenge for you. Grab a bucket, drill 20 holes in the bottom and then fill it with water and then see how far you can carry it before it's completely empty. Okay don't do that. That's a waste of time and a waste of a bucket, but you know how it ends with an empty bucket. So what you might not know is that leaks in your horse's intestinal barrier known as leaky gut syndrome can result in various health and welfare problems. In fact, gut issues are the number one cause of premature death in horses. Good nutrition and attention to gut health can alleviate the negative impacts of stress, and help promote immunity, performance, healthy weight, nutrient absorption, and positive attitude. Kemen is the industry leader in gut health solutions for optimal gut, gut health. Ensure Your Feed includes Clostat and Butyperl ZEQ from Kemen. And you can learn more at kemen.com slash leakygut.
1: Well, I'm so excited to welcome our next guest, Dr. Amanda Greve from the University of Maryland. She's a pasture management specialist, and we have tons of questions to ask you, Amanda, all about pastures and how we can improve them for our ponies. So welcome.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me on today.
1: I'm so excited. you know I'm not the regular host. Uh, I'm just a guest, and I was so excited to see that this was one of the topics we we're talking about because I think um, all of us horse people struggle with these questions about forage for horses and how we can improve our pasture. so um can you tell us a little bit about uh, about your background and how you got involved with pasture management?
3: Sure, yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, I I guess I kind of started off a lot like you know most horse owners, not fully aware of what was going on in my horse's pasture and what was growing out there. But um, I ended up going uh, to grad school for equine nutrition, and my advisor um, at the University of Minnesota was um, had a background in pasture and agronomy and agronomic practices. So I got to do kind of a really cool hybrid for graduate school of an animal nutrition or equine nutrition and kind of forage and pasture management combination. So that's really where I got kind of into the world of forages and pasture and pasture management and learn a lot about it and then ended up kind of going that way with my career going into, you know, being a a forage specialist for the University of Maryland. So I get to work now with, you know, horses, um, but also other livestock species as well,
1: cattle, sheep, um, et cetera. So it's oh, a lot of fun so and a lot of variety. What a dream job for a horse person, you know, like, I mean, it's so, that sounds so cool. Um, So what do you think? I mean, I know that it's hard to do a national show, right? Because you're in the, you're in Maryland and every different place has different um, issues, but what do you think the biggest issue that horse people face all across the country when working with their pasture? Good question.
3: Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, you, you're right that, you know, there are sometimes, you know, different issues depending on what area of the country you're in. But I would say in general, there are kind of some overarching things that all horse people and really a lot of livestock people in general struggle with when it comes to pasture management, Um, Some of those, some of the big ones include things like um, allowing for a proper rest period. So when we think Mm -hmm. about pasture management, really what we need is a time for those forages or those grasses to rejuvenate and regrow and reestablish their root structure to maintain their productivity and to stay, you know, strong and resilient kind of long-term. So Doing things like incorporating a rotational grazing system where you're kind of moving animals from area to area and allowing the other areas time to rest and regrow is, is huge and one of the biggest things that you can do for improving your overall pasture management. Um, other than that, you know, other important things are, you know, starting with a healthy soil. So, you know, have you been taking, you know, soil samples? Do you know what the fertility or the nutrient status of your soil is? And are you, you know, applying or reapplying any of those nutrients that might be low or inadequate to really help um, those plants get the nutrients that they need to stay, you know, productive and healthy and growing? Um, so, yeah, I guess those would be my two big, big ones. Um, you yeah. Know, controlling weeds is another one, um, making sure you don't have, you know, a lot of weeds that are kind of taking over and infiltrating into your pasture, um, but if you have a really healthy soil and you have a really healthy stand of pasture grasses, that will lend itself um, to weed control. You know, those will be able to outcompete those weeds or those undesirable forages.
1: And when you say they need to test their soil, do they like contact their local ag extension? Is that someone who could help them?
3: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, your your local extension office will definitely be able to help, you know, kind of guide you through the steps. Um, you know, it, it sounds a little bit overwhelming, but the soil sampling process is actually, you know, relatively straightforward. You just go around to random places in your pasture. Um, you can use something called a soil probe or even, you know, a spade or a shovel um, to Mm -hmm. take little soil cores throughout. And then you mix all that up and send it to the lab and they'll send you back a soil analysis on, on your sample to, to
1: tell you what the nutrient status is in that soil. And then you could like, then you could apply lime or fertilizer or something if, if you needed to, then, you know,
3: Exactly. that will tell you kind of what of your you know the big nutrients, you know, phosphorus, potassium, and then the soil pH. um you know if if a soil's pH gets too acidic, um, that is you know detrimental to the plant roots that are trying to grow in that soil. It also makes some of those other nutrients less available to plants. So you know if you get too acidic, it can reduce the amount of phosphorus or other nutrients that plant roots are able to take up, um, which is where the lime comes in that you were mentioning. Um, so mm-hmm. if it, if a soil gets too low in pH, then they'll usually recommend that you apply some lime to help counteract that and kind of bring that pH back up to more of a neutral zone. Most plants prefer a pH or most of our, most of our good healthy forages or desirable forages prefer a pH somewhere, you know, in the six to six and a half range.
1: And uh, like how do you decide what what type of pasture to plant like what type of grasses
3: Uh yeah that that's a really great question um there are i guess several factors that kind of go into that um you know we have such a such a blessing in that we have so many different forages that we can grow but um uh, that also can be really really overwhelming um for yeah. a lot of people so So I think it's important to think about a couple of different things. Um, First of all, your, you know, your soil type and your site characteristics. We know that, you know, soil types vary. Different soils have different amount of drainage. Um, They have, you know, naturally different levels of pH or fertility. They have different topographies. And there are plants that will do better or worse under some of these conditions. You know, some plants really need a high fertility soil. They need really good drainage, while other plants can grow better in kind of more wetter or more low-lying areas or can handle a little bit lower fertility. So that's the first thing to look at um, to help you with that decision. The second thing would be kind of your intended use, um, if you will. So is this you know, more of a hay field versus a pasture field? Is this mm-hmm. going to be kind of a permanent long-term pasture um, that you want to really last you kind of well down the road, or is it more of a temporary thing? Are you looking for like a quick, you know, in-between plantings? Um, what What's the time of year or the length of your grazing season? And what kind of management are you using? We know that there are, you know, plants that withstand a little bit, you know, um, use and abuse, if you will, Um, a little bit more, you know, they're a little bit more resilient um, under, you know, if you aren't able to do kind of everything exactly like you want it to. Right. So really the intended use and your management will also play a role in what, what plants you, you choose. Um, And then also your, your livestock requirements, you know, are you, you know, do you have kind of your backyard pony that um, might be a little on the chunkier side and, you know, doesn't need a lot of extra energy or a lot of extra nutrients, or are you grazing, you know, lactating brood mares that, you know, Mm -hmm. really need the maximum amount of nutrition that we can provide them. So, all of those things kind of get lumped together and then you can kind of filter through and kind of, you know, start to make your decisions from there on, on what would be a good forage for your pasture.
1: You know, I always like imagine in the perfect world, right. My perfect pasture would be like orchard grass, alfalfa. (laughs) And, and, uh, but I've never been like, had the ability to actually make it ever look like that, you know? So mm-hmm. is there a way that you can have like...
2: How do we get farms yeah, that look how do like we, Kentucky?
1: Yeah. yeah, how do we do that? <laughs>
3: um, well, in Kentucky, you know, one of the big things that they're blessed with is a lot of pasture area for horses, right? So that in itself lends back to kind of a little bit of that rotational grazing. So they're really understocked. They have a lot of land area mm-hmm. and less horses on that land area. So those pastures, even if they aren't rotating the horses, are getting more rest, you know, naturally. Versus a lot of us, you know, we have two or three horses and we only have two or three acres. And that really isn't enough um, pasture to really fully support the maximum needs of those horses. So we have to do things like supplement with, you know, hay or other sources and make sure we're doing a really good job of letting those pastures get the rest that they need.
2: To regrow. So basically so. we need more land is what you're
3: saying. <laughs> <So> <laughs> more
2: land and and
3: being more careful with your management, I guess. Um, you know, under those conditions when we're kind of overstocked, um, it can be helpful to have like a dry lot or a sacrifice lot where we can put the horses if the pastures aren't um, quite ready to be grazed yet. So we really allow them that rest period, being really careful with our rotating, um, you know, making sure that we have really good soil fertility. You know, you mentioned orchard grass and alfalfa. Those are two of the forages that require a really good fertile soil. They don't do well under poor fertility or low pH conditions. So those are two prime examples of forages that you know are thought of to be kind of the best of the best. But in order to achieve that, you really need to be supplying them with the nutrients that they need to do that. Those are also two forages that are, um, or at least orchard grass is a big forage that's sensitive to overgrazing. Um, So making sure we're not, you know, grazing that forage down into the ground is really important. A lot of those cool season grasses store some of their energy reserves in the bottom three to four inches of the stem. So if we're continually grazing that plant down into the dirt, we're continually removing its, you know, energy storage site. And we're continually um, basically taking away its capacity to photosynthesize because we're not leaving a lot of leaf tissue. So by doing that, we're just kind of depleting and depleting and depleting that plant's energy reserves and not giving it an opportunity to replenish those. Um, So yeah, you know, using rotational grazing, making sure that you're not overgrazing and you're leaving, you know, a little bit of leaf material when you move those animals off of a field, um, providing those plants with the nutrients that they need, those are kind of the cores um, to get those, you know, beautiful lush pastures that you think of when you think of Kentucky and horse country.
2: Okay. So I, I, you know, the, the one thing that sticks out to me is that you did not say I need less horses so that, that you, <laughs> you can stay. <laughs> I,
3: I mean, I, you know, I'm a horse person by heart, so I, I will never say have less horses. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect.
2: Well, Dr. Grab, where can people go to learn to find out more?
3: So um, I and I suggest everybody, you know, there's a lot of information available on the Internet, um, but when you're looking for information online, you know, be careful um, where you're looking and what you're reading and choose kind of a reputable source. So, you know, most of our land grant institutions around the country all have um, extension websites and they, you know, a lot of those universities have either an equine or a livestock program or a forage program or both. Um, those are really good places to go and look for information calling or contacting your local extension office, Um, you know, usually there's one kind of in every county or every, you know, region at least. Um, Those people are all really good resources um, to use that, you know, will come from kind of a credible, um, reputable,
2: unbiased source. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Greb, thank you so much for all of your time this morning, and we hope you have a wonderful week. No problem. Thank you. I I hope you have a great week as well. Thank you. I miss these two girls already because they have spent the last 10 days here at Flyover Farm, and it is Mary Hawkins from Texas. Say hi, Mary. Hi. And <laughs> then we've got Mary Schmidt from Wyoming, but not in Wyoming yet because you just left. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Thank you guys for joining us. We we just wanted to have you on to talk a little bit about the clinic y'all just went through, which was the Monty Roberts introductory course here at uh, Flyover Farm. And um, I mean, uh, Wendy, they both uh, said that, you know, they we don't care. Is there any place we can stay? And I was like, yeah, y'all can like be roommates. And so I bought two (laughs) single beds and I put them both in one room. Ladies, do you still like each other? (laughs)
4: I'm I'm a dog.
0: dog, My roomie. And her sweet puppy
2: dog. (laughs) Oh, So yeah, Mary Schmidt came from Wyoming and you brought your dog. Talk about, talk about living with Mary from Texas. I mean, that's South versus North. Let's see what happened.
4: (laughs) Oh no, it was wonderful. We got along just great. It was no problem at all. My dog abandoned me and, uh, you know, left me for the other Mary. And, uh, you know, I was a little bit put out by that,
0: but other than that, it was fantastic. And And it's like being at real
4: camp.
2: Yeah. It's literally I like was. when everybody I was leaving. I was
0: back in college and I had a roommate again and only we <laughs> had a doggy in the mix and it was wonderful. <laughs> <Aww>.
2: <laughs> well, it was fun. I and, and here's the good thing is that I put two people together, Wendy, that both like to drink wine. So, you know, it was a love okay. fest. It it's was like what Adelaide. you
1: imagine like when you're a kid and you're going to camp what you wish you had a camp. Yes. Right. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: only yeah. it was adult camp and we yeah. got to drink wine. Yeah, wine, horses, puppy dogs. This sounds great. I want to come to camp.
2: I know, right? So let's (laughs) let's start a little bit. Mary from Texas, what were some of your expectations going into this clinic?
0: Um, Expectations. Well, I came in um, wanting to be, I just wanted to know more uh, about uh, how to speak to horses, how to speak the horse language. And I would hope I would accomplish that. And i my first join up um that I did, as you know, I was very emotional. and um i I don't cry easily, but um when that horse turned and walked up to me after we had um, been in the round pin together, i I, I just um, the bond that we that we had was incredible, and i I just broke down. I saw it like a baby. And, um, I realized that horses have a language and, you know, I thought I was connecting and thought I was communicating, um, with horses, but until I went through this course, um, um, I realized there was a deeper language and, um, I feel so, it's just awesome. I want to go back to where I teach, um, you know, kids to ride. They have a bunch of horses that have different issues and things. And I feel like I can help that now I can help them. Fantastic. Um, so I've, I've just
2: grown exponentially. Uh, Mary from Wyoming, what were some of your goals and expectations? Well, um, as you know,
4: I've been working with my Mustang and I felt like I didn't have a way forward with him. Um, I was feeling a little bit confused about what the next step was before I actually tried to sit on him. And I... Um, I, so I was hoping to learn, join up and I was hoping to learn about long lining, but I learned so much more and, um, I feel really well equipped now to, you know, take him to the next level and be able to give him the right start. I just feel so excited about that.
2: My gosh. So you're still driving home, obviously. I am. (laughs) <laughs> I am up a
4: day early, so I'm excited.
2: <laughs> yeah, you, you guys, we got done mm-hmm. so quickly that we were able to kind of cut out Saturday afternoon instead of Sunday afternoon. So we all, we all might have gone out and done a little drinking
0: we were <laughs> celebrating yes we were <laughs> celebrating
2: so um we i i did my daily winning today for the horses you guys because i just felt like they all did such a great job did you have a particular horse or a moment besides the join up that stuck out to you texas mary well Luna was um my the
0: first one that I did a join up with so that I kind of feel like I bonded with her um then I worked with um well okay when we we did take a, a little bit of a trail ride um which was a lot of fun and I um told you you know I needed to I need to be careful with what kind of horses I get on I, in the last 2 years I've been bucked off and broken bones so um so I, said I want a good solid <laughs> That would protect me on the trail ride. And I rode Duke and, and yeah, if I could have fit him in my suitcase, I would have brought him home with
1: me. He took
0: great care of me. He was a good, he, he was a good, sturdy, solid guy.
2: Yeah, he is. He's one of those that is just utterly priceless. Now, uh, ta- now, mm-hmm. Wyoming Mary, who do you feel like you connected with? I actually made both these ladies work with the yearlings as well, Stanley and Miles, and and I know that they were challenging for sure. Um, who were some of the horses that stuck out to you, Wyoming Mary? I mean, That's they what I call all them, by because the way. they, they <laughs>
4: all had um, they all had different um, holes in their experience or, um, you know, just different personalities. So they, they all stood out. I mean, my first join-up was with Nick and that was really difficult for me. Um, but it was very, very rewarding. And then, um, I, I spent a lot of time with Arlo because he's who I wrote on the trail ride, but he was, as you said, so, um, sort of career, he had a career of showing and he was a little bit reserved or um, just not connected. Yeah. And so that was exciting for me to to get him to understand and to understand him, you know, more and get him participating. Uh, that that just felt really good to me. It felt like he, after all those years of what he'd been doing, he finally was able to make a human connection, um, that he understood.
2: Yeah, that was, that part was really special to me too. So, um, a friend brought a 20 year old lifetime show horse to be uh, used in the clinic because he's very quiet, but also Wendy, because he'd been a lifetime show horse, he was just very much goes through the motions and Mm -hmm. the first join up that we did, he just didn't even register that we were even there he was like oh i'm supposed to get in here and trot circles and canter circles he looked like a vaulting horse just like they lose their brilliance Mm -hmm. yeah and then the second join up he's like oh you guys are actually speaking my language and if you think about like he's 20 years old and probably nobody has spoken his language to him forever and just to see his owner came out and said that his facial expressions were just different. Like his face looked mm. different having those connections that we made. That's it was so really, great. it was really fun to see him. Um, now Mary, uh, let's see Wyoming, Mary, would you recommend this course to other people and why I, was, I I'm not, I'm not holding another one soon. So I don't, I'm not like promoting myself, but uh, just the whole idea of this course.
4: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, if you haven't had the ability to work with a variety of horses, I mean that is just so eye opening in and of itself. If you, you know, can go to Monty's or or go to a place like yours and um as you rightly said, you know, let's work with something more sensitive because I'm going home to work with a Mustang, um, let's, you know, you can get um, so many more skills and so many more ideas about what can work with your own ponies back at home if you work with a variety of horses and you never know which one's going to kind of open a, a door in your mind and you know, tell you, hey, my horse does that too or my horse is similar to that um, or has that similar problem or whatever. Um, I would, I would highly recommend it. It's, you know, yeah, it's a big chunk of time, but it's worth it. And you can't, I can't really understand how you could break it up. Um, you know, so I would definitely, definitely recommend
2: it. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, Texas, Mary, what were some of your takeaways?
0: Um, I, oh, golly, there's so many things. Um, so when I went there, um, You know, I've got some, just to let people know that somebody else out there might be like me, I have some physical issues that I'm like, well, I may not be able to do everything, but, um, I'm going to try and, and I'm going to see what I can do. And I was able to do it. And you guys were so encouraging, Jamie. I just felt like, um, if I didn't do something, I didn't feel intimidated. Um, I, I, was very encouraged um, the variety of horses you had there for us to work with. Uh, we, we learned, you know, I, when I was working with Drax in the round pen, who's very sensitive, um, man, I had to really, um, bring my body and my body language in a very calming manner and I not be as big with my movements. And that sets me up for, um, success when i I'm working with other horses when I get home and I feel like I can do this now. I feel like I can. So many times that we worked and, and, and went over it and you were very encouraging about us. Do you have any questions? Um, and you know, I never felt, you know, I asked them crazy questions. I felt, but I didn't know. And, but I never felt, um, you know, crazy for asking them. So, absolutely, I would recommend this to anybody in any stage of your horsemanship. Um, If you want to grow and learn, um, I mean, it's just better for you and it's better for your horse.
2: Well, I was. um,
4: Can I ditto the sentiment about the positivity? I mean, I never felt like even, you know, when I did something completely incorrectly, I never felt intimidated or threatened by the, um, feedback that you gave, it was always put Mm -hmm. in such a great way. Um, and, and as Mary said, you never felt like any question was dumb or, you know, like repetitive. If we needed to hear something again, you told us again, you know, and, and we felt safe saying, I need to hear that again. Yeah. Yeah. It was was great. It was great. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I got to tell you guys, it was an absolute pleasure having you both at the farm and and being there. I certainly missed yesterday morning walking out to feed the horses, and I was like, "Where's Sunny? I don't have Sunny." Abby even said she
0: was sad she wasn't there to, to for me to throw a stick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well,
2: it was an absolute pleasure spending more time with both of you and having you there, and and thank you for your kind words. I'm glad that it was successful, and I'm glad. You guys uh, felt like you learned a lot. I, I, I definitely, uh, y'all were sponges, and you really, really picked everything up so, so fast. It was awesome, and it was an awesome riding with you. And I miss you guys already. I well, hey, and Marion, we need to say um, happy birthday to Jamie. <laughs> <your>
0: birthday. <laughs> happy
2: birthday! Thanks, Thanks.
4: Happy, guys. Happy birthday to you.
2: <laughs> and there then there's you go. chili. <laughs> uh love you guys. thank you so much for being on the show this morning. I look forward to uh, to keeping up and send me videos. send me questions. i'm I'm here for you. Great. That's great. You thank you so too. much for everything that was so fun. It was such an amazing experience. Uh, Dr. Wendy had to leave three minutes ago because she had an appointment you know, that whole life of a vet, she's got cats to chiropractic things and acupuncture chickens and things like that. So anyway, it's just me, but, uh, you guys thank you for being so supportive of Glenn and all that he's going through. And I hope y'all have a wonderful day. George, thank you for producing today. I really appreciate it. This is George. Say hi, George.
1: Uh, Hello, hello. Thanks for having me again.
2: (laughs) Thank you for being here. Everybody have a great week, spay, neuter, and guilt.